uh, as Jay said, I'm definitely not a parent, but I am very passionate about college ministry. And there's a few things that I would really um, encourage you with in regards to preparing your child in middle school and high school to prepare them for college. One of the reasons I'm so passionate about college ministry is because I was not prepared at all for college when I got there. Um, I had never been discipled. I had never been taught the word. I had never been, even if I, they tried to teach me the word, I refused it. Uh, I didn't know how to pray when I went into college. And I really went in just blind uh, to all the temptation that was going to come my way, all the struggles I was going to have. And for me personally, I know that many of you may have heard my testimony from different sermons and stuff. I got saved when I was 21. So there were two and a half, really my first three years of college where I just lived in the world and lived in darkness. And so for me, I'm very passionate about college ministry because I remember what that was like to be a college student who feels alone, who has a lot of issues and a lot of struggles and a lot of identity issues. And I remember how critical it was when I came to know Jesus and started living for him and how that changed literally everything in my life, everything. Uh, the day I got saved, my entire college experience was changed completely. The whole reason I was there, how I interacted with people, what I was planning to do after college. I mean, quite literally, it was a complete change. Um, so that's one of the reasons I'm so passionate about college ministries because, as you know, it is a pivotal, pivotal time in every single person's life when they go to college. And so I, I'm not sure where your children are in terms of age. They may be middle school, maybe younger, they may be high school. You may have a college student right now. Some of the, some of the things that I really want to talk to you today are two things. One, I want to tell you the reality of college and what the culture is like. We're out there every Monday uh, for two hours each week sharing the gospel at University of Memphis campus. We're getting back to CBU this fall. We're hoping to get back to Southwest this fall. Um, I want to tell you what the reality of college is right now. And not to scare you, but just to raise some of your awareness as to what it's like. But what I also want to do is I want to give you some characteristics of thriving college students. Like if I could tell you, hey, here are the characteristics I have seen in the last six or seven years of doing college ministry. Here's the college students that thrive. I want to give you a few of those to help you as you continue to work with your child to prepare them for college. Uh, before I get into those, I do have two friends with me, and uh, this is John Knight and Delaney Jones, and uh, I know I need to give them this mic too, because I want them just to introduce themselves very quickly and what they're doing for school, and then they're going to pass it right back over to me. All right, so um, as Daniel just said, I'm John Knight. Um, I recently joined Bellevue. It's probably a year now. Um, I had did my rededication June 9th. Um, I'm a senior at the University of Memphis. And my major is sports, exercise, and movement science. Um, a long title just to say I want to be a personal trainer or a strength and conditioning coach. That's what I'm looking forward to. So. Oh, so I am going to be an MA for the recreation ministry as well. So super excited. Thank you for not letting me forget that. Yeah, appreciate it. Hi, um, I am Delaney Jones, and I did not grow up in Bellevue, but I now work with Daniel um, as the college ministerial assistant, so College MA, um, for those of y'all who don't know the fancy term, um, basically an intern. <laughs> but anyways, um, I go to the University of Memphis. I just finished my sophomore year, and I am studying communications with a double minor in nonprofit management and creative mass media. So um, a big fancy title to say I like writing and speaking and all things media um, and nonprofits in there as well. It kind of all ties together. Um, so, yeah, that's about it. But yes, I'm also in a sorority, so if any of y'all have any questions geared toward that, um, I'm in Capital to the University of Memphis and pretty involved on campus. So, My major, 
does not sound complicated at all. It was physical education, which is an easy word for PE. <laughs> Coaching is what I was on the path for. But I've asked them to, to come because I have some questions for them in just a bit on their college experience. One of the first things I would talk to you about for just a minute is our college ministry, the view and why we do some of the things we do in our ministry. Uh, some of the reasons behind how we engage, quite literally, college students. Because if you have a college student one day, I would love for you to know why we do some of the things we do in hopes to, one, engage and equip your college student. And so for us at The View, there's a few elements that we stick to every semester. And one of them is campus ministry that I spoke about a minute ago. One of our core values as a college ministry is to go where the students are. And they are on campus. They're at University of Memphis. They're at Rhodes. They're at CBU. And one of our goals is to go where they are instead of just always asking them to come to us. And so we set out every week to go and share the gospel and have conversations at U of M. Sometimes it goes fantastic. Sometimes they would love a Rice Krispie treat, and they're super nice to you. And they'll answer any questions that you may have for them, and then sometimes they have no problem being really, really rude to you or ignoring you completely and keep walking. But it's a really good thing of our ministry where we're able to go and engage with students. And then two things in our ministry of where we have really come to know our students very closely is our Monday night view service and then our life groups each week. And one thing we've seen with college ministry that's very fascinating is students are oftentimes hesitant to come here to Bellevue. They're nervous. They're nervous to come on campus. It's intimidating. It's a large place. And so one thing we've done in our ministry is in-home groups, where on Wednesday nights we do groups around the city that are in houses where students can come, and it's a lot more relaxed environment. They walk in. It's just girls only. It's guys only, each one of these groups. And we hope and pray that they'll go from being in our large service on Monday night to plugging into a small group on Wednesday night so they can get connected. Those are a few things we do in our ministry that we believe are vital. Um, the state of the college campuses right now is very fascinating. And I'm going to talk about two. I'll talk about what I've seen with Christian universities and public universities. At University of Memphis, sin is wide open. People are very open about what they believe. And they're not ashamed to talk about it, and they're not ashamed to push it. One thing that you see constantly at University of Memphis, and you see it at Southwest too, is things like gender and sexuality. These things on the college campuses are openly regarded as fluid. Like you are out of the norm if you walk on University of Memphis campus and believe the sexuality, that marriage should be one man and one woman. Your student, when they go to University of Memphis, they will be in the minority if they have a biblical view of marriage. And that's something that I think is very important to understand. In order to hold a biblical value when you step onto a public university, and this is just U of M, there's a lot larger universities out there. If they're going to hold to a biblical view of marriage and alcohol and, and marijuana and all these different things, they're going to be in the minority. That's where we are uh, in our environment on these college campuses. Uh, the pressures and temptations are absolutely there. The pressures and the temptations are absolutely there. I've seen a lot of college students thrive in college and say no to temptation and really fight hard and keep their guard up and stay clean and close to the Lord. I've also seen a lot of college students give in and give in to the peer pressure and start walking with the world and choose some of those things. And I'm going to give you some practical things on how to prepare them for that. But just understand, when it comes to the public universities, that temptation is there and it's very present and it's very crafty. The enemy is very crafty. I've seen a lot of college students enter into their freshman year and when they get there, they're not necessarily ready for the temptation that's going to come their way. And so if I could tell you anything when it comes to things like alcohol, things like marijuana, things like sex before marriage, 
if your student understands not just the biblical reason for it, but the why behind it, when they get to that campus, they'll understand why they're called to flee that and to run from it and to hold the biblical values. It's big. Um, on these campuses, one of the other things I've seen is that professors are very open too. I've had uh, multiple students come to me and say that, and, and you know, they'll testify to this too, that professors on the first day of class at U of M, some of them, when they get there to class, they'll ask each student, what pronoun do you want to be referred to by? And that's just a norm. He, she, they, you can choose. That's, that's becoming a norm on these college campuses. That is not weird. That is not out of the normal. Um, there have been a lot of examples and instances that we've had where professors have been some of the ones to really, really push on Christian college students on their faith. And uh, not all of them. There's great Christian professors. And even when I was at University of Memphis, I knew a few Christian professors. But understand this. The professors are going to be very open with what they believe for the most part. And preparing your student for that is going to help them to understand why they believe what they believe. When it comes to Christian universities, students that may go to Union or students that may go to other Christian universities, uh, I would just encourage you that there is absolutely temptation there, even though it may look different. Just because they go to a Christian university does not necessarily mean that they are going to live in a godly way. And that's just as real as I can get. One of the biggest things I've seen with students who even go to a Christian university is things like apathy and things like sin that we kind of accept and kind of push under the rug. One of the things I'm going to really talk about in just a minute is that the friend group they end up with in college is everything. The friend group they end up with in college is everything. Where their friend group goes, they're going to want to go too. And I've seen, in my time doing college ministry experience, there's a big difference between a godly friend group and just a Christian friend group. And so what I would encourage you to do, what I encourage a lot of people to do, for me, when I was in middle school and high school, I did not have godly friends around me. And any time I did have Christian friends, a lot of them were not serious about living it out. If you want your student to thrive in college, help them, whatever way you can, help them to find community now that's godly people that are pursuing the Lord, people that are genuinely wanting to live out their faith, to be a missionary in college. That's one of the biggest things about Christian universities and regular universities, public universities. Friend group determines a lot. Um, one other thing that I would say too is COVID has impacted college ministry in a big way. If students were lonely before COVID, they're definitely lonely now. And there's a few things that I would tell you on that. I've seen a lot of students select for online classes, which can be great. And I even took a lot of online classes when I was in college. Man, that can set your schedule up to be beneficial. I would just tell you, with your student, I've seen college students who will sometimes take online classes to kind of excuse themselves out of being evangelistic and being a missionary at their college. Because when you're not there with them in person, you don't necessarily have to share the gospel with them. And so I would challenge you now to be thinking, what's your viewpoint on online classes? If your student has a good understanding of that, hey, I'm called to be a missionary while I'm in college and I'm still going to go and find gospel conversations even though I take online classes, I think that's fantastic. But one thing I have seen that, that hurts my heart is parents who will allow their students to take online classes and then their student is never out learning what it looks like to be a missionary, to be a witness. What we tell our students all the time, every Monday night we try to say it, you are a missionary who just happens to be a college student. You are not a college student who just happens to be a missionary. College is just a season of life. College will come to an end. 
but living for Jesus is their reason for life. That's what we try to get them to see. That as great as their four years in college is and can be, their whole purpose for being there is to be a missionary and to live for Jesus Christ. So I would encourage you, prep them now by helping them find a friend group that is godly, people that are encouraging them and pushing them towards scripture memory, reading the word, prayer, sharing the gospel now. If they've never shared the gospel or defended their faith in a high school environment, it's going to be very challenging when they step onto, into the college world. Help them share now. If I could go back to when I was in high school, there are so many things I would do differently. But if I was a believer, one of the things I would have done in high school is, and this is one of the next bullet points I have, I would have prepped myself for apologetics. Big time. I know they would say the same too. I would have prepped myself on how to defend the faith. And you can't defend something you don't understand. You can't defend something you don't understand why you believe it. And so with college students, man, a lot of them get to college ministry, and they are so equipped, and they are ready, and they thrive, and there's so many right now in our ministry that are living as missionaries. Those who are living in that way, they have some sort of apologetics background. They understand why they believe what they believe, and they can verbally defend it. Be prepared to give a defense for anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. And having a good conscience so that when you are slandered for your good behavior in Christ, those who revile you will be put to shame. Apologetics is big. And even in middle school, high school, whatever level you can start preparing them to understand those two things. Why do we believe what the Bible says? And how do we talk about it with Muslims? How do we talk about it with atheists? How do we talk about it with people who are living in a homosexual lifestyle in college when they get to their classes and they have students around them who are engaging in homosexuality, how can they not be afraid of them, not be scared of them, not be hateful to them, but how can they be a witness to them? How can they be a missionary to them? And so the current state of college really is, there's, there's a lot of loneliness, but your student, if they have a godly friend group, they will thrive. And I want to move on because I know that there may be questions, but if I could give you four things to write down um, if you're taking notes, what I would give you is these four things, and these are what I have seen of characteristics of a thriving college student. The ones in our ministry, the ones at other college ministries who are thriving, they absolutely exhibit these four things. And the first one I would say to write down is this, a genuine passion for Christ and for ministry. A genuine passion for Christ and for ministry. They don't just desire to know Jesus, they desire to live it out. The second thing I would say, where I'm going to spend most of my time on this, is discipleship. Discipleship. The students in our ministry that are really walking with Jesus as a college student have been discipled and are still currently being discipled and are making other disciples too. Discipleship is the biggest thing. That's what I told Jay a few weeks ago. The students, they defend their faith. They have a discipleship background. And for us at The View, we find a lot of success with college students when it comes to the F260 reading plan. Do you all know about the F260? Have you ever been familiar with that before? It's a fantastic reading plan, and I would highly encourage you to try it out with your students. It's a great reading plan, and it comes with a hear journaling method. And this is where I've really seen college students go to the next level. When they start hear journaling what they're reading every day, it makes all the difference in the world. What that hero journal method stands for, I know that some of you already know, but H stands for highlight. So each day, if they read Romans 1 and 2, they sit down and they highlight what text speaks to them that day. E is explain. 
where they explain in its context what it means. A is apply, where they apply it to their life today. And then R is respond. What must I do because of this truth? The best thing you could do to prepare your student for college is to get them discipled right now. Have somebody asking them very, very tough questions now, no matter what their age is. Help them understand the Bible and the entire narrative of the Bible. Help them memorize scripture. Help them pray. The college students that struggle the most are the ones who have never been discipled. Like I was when I got to college. I'd never been discipled. I wasn't prepared. And I stepped into it, and I was overwhelmed right out the gate. But when students have been discipled, man, they thrive in college. Like I'm telling you, I have been so encouraged over the last few years to see college students have a radical impact on University of Memphis, CBU, Southwest, other colleges in other states. Like they can really turn the tide and shift the culture at a university if they're discipled. And so wherever your child is on the spectrum, I just want to encourage you. You can literally send them as a missionary to whatever college they go to if they get discipled and poured into weekly and held accountable and pushed and challenged on why church is important and why they should be a part of the local body of Christ. Pushed on things like understanding the Bible as a whole and how to defend their faith to other people. And so I can't stress that enough. I talk about that to a lot of different people when it comes to college. Whenever somebody comes to me with a high schooler and they say, hey, what's the best way I could prepare my student for college? I tell them, get them discipled right now in a personal, intimate, accountable way, and they will be ready for college. It makes all the difference. And so before I give you the next two things, I want to hit them with a couple of questions. And these are pertaining off of this. And so Delaney, I'll have the first question for you. When you started college, in what ways did you feel prepared to live out your Christian faith? And as we're talking about discipleship even, how did that play a role in you living out your faith in college? So I have a couple different points specifically about this question, but um, for a little bit of backstory, I grew up um, in church, so I was always there every Sunday and Wednesday, um, just like a lot of your kids, and um, probably have a really similar upbringing to a lot of them. I was also homeschooled, so my mom had a lot of like um, hand in my education and kind of like what um, that looked like, So, um, which I'm really thankful for. So I think the first thing that I would say that the way I felt the most prepared going into college was simply my parents being honest with me. Um, because all of you have been to college, most or most of you probably have. Maybe you didn't go to college and you went straight into the workforce, or you know, most of you have had experience being college aged. Um, so, my my parents, my dad specifically, did not have a good upbringing, and so college was some really rough years for him. And he was always very honest with me about that, um, explaining like, "This is what I did wrong that I w- I regret doing that I wish I wouldn't have done. This is how the Lord called me out of it." And so maybe some of you have never wanted to tell your kids that for a certain reason, if you struggled in college and what you struggled with, even if it's past things like my dad really struggled with drug addiction and alcohol. Um, But if that's things that, you know, y'all didn't ever struggle with, even things that are simple, like what if it was people pleasing? What if it was um, gossip or just different things like that? Because truly my parents being honest with me about what I would face in college prepared me really well. Um, because I wasn't numb or had like, I didn't have, um, complete like blinds on when I went into college, I kind of expected, okay, maybe, you know, temptation is going to come to me, um, in all these different ways. Also, 
um, I had the privilege of being discipled by some really um, important women in my life. I was discipled for about four years by um, a leader at my old church and then rolled right into discipleship with Ashlyn Redmond, who some of y'all may know, um, once I got to college. So then I just also had um, something that I would tell y'all too is I had um, like moms that I babysat for that would like constantly ask me how I was doing and actually want to pour into my life, especially through um, my junior and senior year of high school. Um, and so maybe, you know, if any of y'all have those kind of um, people in your life that you can pour into now um, and your kids can even see that, like if your kids see you discipling, they're going to want to be discipled and disciple more. Um, so I, I had so many women who really prepared me um, through discipleship, through just mentorship. So um, pray for that now um, and equip them now with those things. Then as I entered college, um, I entered in 2020, so very unique with COVID. Um, but the best, um, some of the best decisions that I made and also was like pushed you made, make um, my, I did not personally, like I, while I was discipled, I won't lie, I was a church kid and I very much faked a lot of what I did in high school was like I'm gonna go to church I'm gonna have all the answers I'm gonna look like my life is all together and then I'm gonna go home and not really have a personal relationship with the Lord I wasn't caught in you know I, I didn't I didn't really run with the bad kids because I was always like um, around pretty solid friends but I didn't have a personal relationship with the Lord so while we were in quarantine the Lord kind of hit me with well you have nothing else to do, so you might as well start reading your Bible, and I was like, well, that's a good point, <laughs> you know, so <laughs> that's when I really started reading, and, you know, the Bible tells us, like, that we're supposed to meditate on the word of the Lord, um, and that season of my life, had I not had those months of being still because I had to, and getting a lot of my senior year taken away, I truly don't know that I would have come into college the same way that I did, um, because I had daily Bible reading. So it's really important that Daniel brings this up to you um, about the F260 plan, about discipleship, because had I not had um, Bible studies happening over Zoom and actually reading my Bible daily, um, that those three months I, I don't think I would have come into college the same way. I don't think I would have come into college prepared to know scripture, to fight for scripture, to um, really even care as much about um, the Lord. Because that summer, that the summer of 2020 was a very hard summer for me um, for a lot of different reasons. But facing a pandemic while um, preparing to go into college is really overwhelming. Um, so... The, bit, the best piece of advice that I could get, the things that made me prepared were my parents just sitting down with me, being honest with me, um, were discipleship and daily Bible reading. And obviously, sometimes you may feel like getting my kid to read the Bible every day may just push them away because it may feel like another chore. It might feel like cleaning their room, you know, making their bed, doing their laundry, whatever they have to do. Um, but just, I would say, start, start out with prayer for that desire because truly it was not a desire for me early on. Um, but I had seen my parents do it. Um, and I had seen a lot, I had seen so many other people do it. And I just, I, it didn't click for me for a really long time. 
Um, and once I got to that point is really how the Lord connected me with Daniel and Hannah into a college ministry. So also pray through those college ministries um, because what also just helped me feel prepared is knowing that I had a place to go because my old church didn't have a huge college ministry. So I kind of knew there would be some transition there and I didn't know what that would look like, but I knew that I had a place to go because I had been to The View as a second semester senior right before COVID, and I was confident that, okay, when this comes back, it's gonna come back finally after COVID. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna plug in and I'm gonna be involved. Um, and that's something that um, I would say to encourage your student to be committed to because that's a commitment and a decision that I made that has since, I mean, really changed how my college years have lived. I'm on staff now, so obviously it's provided a lot, um, but that was some of the best things that I could do was just knowing that I had a place to go, knowing um, that I was wanted there, and um, and having full confidence from my parents, too. Like, my old church, obviously, you know, there may be some uh, there could have been some things there with my parents not wanting me to necessarily, like, try other churches, but um, they were so open to me, like, going and being involved in a college ministry, and they were consistently happy for me to do it, and I got baptized that same month that I started really getting plugged into the view, and my parents were there, um, so just in a, in a way, like, them being honest and supportive, while also me having the outside discipleship and push to read scripture, um, those were the things that made me help, made me feel most prepared, and from a non-spiritual side, like, just push, push your child, like, what I was pushed to was, like, constantly asking people, my mom is someone who's a very, like, type A, has everything together person, makes me feel like my life is so disorganized, <laughs> but she, um, encouraged me to, you know, talk to college students who were st in college, reach out to people, like, people are some of the best, um, people in college were the best people for me to talk to then. Girls who were already in sororities who also went to The View. Um, some of y'all may know Brie Kellum. I became, I literally met her on Zoom because I reached out to her during the pandemic and said, Brie, you're in a sorority, you're at The View, how does this work? Please tell me because I don't know how being in a sorority works while, you know, getting to um, love the Lord. Like, because to me, those things had always seemed kind of opposite. Um, or how does being involved on a campus that doesn't love the Lord, how does that work? And just asked her so many questions. Um, so those are a, a lot of different things, but those are the things that would make me feel most prepared for college, I'd say.
I guess I just won't sugarcoat it. Um, I struggled. I struggled heavy. Um, freshman, sophomore, junior year, um, was not on fire for the Lord. Um, church and Bible study were kind of like a, a checkbox for me. You know, it's kind of like, well, Wednesday comes, Sunday's Sunday come. Did I go? Yes. Okay. And I just compete. I just con- continued that cycle. Um, my friend group, we weren't bad kids at all. Um, we respected our parents. Um, dressed well. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Tucked our shirts in. Like, we were the model kids, I guess, kind of like how the world or our peers called us. Um, didn't, didn't get, we didn't get into a lot of trouble in school. So, um, we felt like that kind of gave, gave us a pass. And then when we got in college, and like Daniel just mentioned, some of those temptations that are just like wide open, um, me and my friend, my friend group, we fell face first. Um, and it was kind of like we struggled together, and it was kind of a thing like, oh, well, um, he's doing it too, so it's okay in a sense. Or like I didn't feel as bad. I didn't feel convicted. Um, my freshman year I did, but by that sophomore and junior year, my heart was so hardened to like the sin I was doing um, at that point. Um, Y'all, I really felt hopeless. I'm not going to lie, I really did. And then my senior year, just things changed because that's when I got in contact with the youth. And um, spiritually, it's been the hardest, but um, my walk with the Lord this time has been so much sweeter than that first time. Um, just the disobedience. Um, so I, I had a lot of like resentment and anger in my heart, and I, that played a lot, too, on why I didn't answer my calling to God. Um, I had two parents that were incarcerated, so I was raised by my by my godmother, um, and she was dealing with her um, struggle spiritually as well. So she didn't really um, she put the church responsibility on my granddad in a sense, and he made sure that I went to church and Bible study, but he didn't um, kind of like what you all are doing now for your kids because you're worried about them spiritually and how they're going to develop and grow into adults. So uh, my godmother, she really didn't push me spiritually. She kind of just made sure that. Um, I appeared in order kind of the worldly side as far as like becoming a man and she did a great job doing that but I lacked that spiritual side that I needed um, a lot of my identity came from the world um, so as far as the trends the, the way to dress um, the songs like I had all those down packed but ask me a scripture could not tell you nothing um, I remember in my sophomore year of college I was going to church and Bible study but I hadn't picked up my Bible for a year but I was still going to church. So just things like that and why I say like my, my heart was so hardened and I didn't even realize it. I just thought um, that was the norm. But then when I came to Bellevue and got plugged in with the college ministry and saw that like, okay, I really had things backwards and that it's cool to be on fire for the Lord. It's okay to um, want to do right, right? Not want to fit in with, with the world and what the world says is okay. So um, like I said, I, I really struggled. I placed a lot of my identity, a lot of my values and things that um, did not please the Lord. And I'm not going to lie, I paid for it this year, <laughs> especially trying to do right and breaking strongholds and just just breaking my flesh down or allowing God to break my flesh, my flesh down. Um, so, yeah, it was a mighty struggle.
um, like you said, definitely the discipleship. If I had a had a parent that sat down with me and like, hey, okay, how are you doing mentally, emotionally? How are you doing spiritually? Um, are you praying? Um, let's pray together. Let's go through scripture together. I didn't have that at the house. Um, it was kind of like that was up to my pastor, but my pastor had a whole entire church to flock, right? And um, my so we had high school ministers as well, and they were full time teachers. So um, in a sense, like they shepherded me as, as much as they could, but it it wasn't like the attention a child needs is like 24-7, you know? It's like you constantly have to keep tugging at them. Okay, you're veering too much to the left. Let's get back centered. I didn't have that, right? So I would veer too much to one side, and by the time they would get to me, like, it would get me on track for a little bit, but then as soon as I went back home, went back to school the next day uh, on campus, wayward, you know? Um, I didn't have that constant, like, pull on me to, like, where, like I said, a, a parent or a father figure mother figure was checking on me spiritually as far as that sense so your children definitely have the upper hand because the fact that y'all are here shows that y'all are concerned and, and that you want them to succeed so just that I didn't I didn't have that that parent figure at the house that was making sure that I was on track spiritually um I think I would say which this is going to sound like a very, um, maybe, maybe you've heard this before in every aspect of life, but I truly wish I would have been prepared for how hard it is to live for Jesus. Not in a sense of, um, the Lord has protected me from a lot of sin. I truly believe that. Um, he's protected me from a lot of desire for certain sins. I struggle a lot with anxiety, um, but haven't struggled as much with other things that maybe a lot of college students struggle with. Um, and I truly believe that the Lord has protected me in a lot of ways. Um, and what, what was the most challenging, what has been the most challenging over the last two years, which my freshman year, again, very unique. So the, the past year has been very um, challenging because through a, through a screen, people can um, put on any kind of front that they want to. So as I continued to get to know people um, actually in person this year, um, what the hardest thing is, is in my sorority, a lot of girls have grown up in Catholicism um, or have grown up in maybe homes that, yes, their, their homes are Christian, but they've never actually seen what it's like to, um, to truly follow the Lord. I mean, because at the beginning of, um, at the beginning of, college I remember inviting people to the view um and they would be more responsive to it and over time like people have become a lot less responsive um not even just less responsive people have become a lot less open to the gospel um I think a lot of people needed hope from 2020 to 2021 and now it's um I mean college students are selfish we're all selfish but college students care about their own um schedules their own you know when they when they're hungry they go eat because they have you know that's what they have to do their parents aren't there to cook them cook for them they um they we we can all be really selfish especially in this age um what daniel was talking about with the lgbtq stuff specifically i have faced a lot of 
Um, one of my, I have a very close friend who um, practices homosexuality who has been in so many of my classes with me. Um, and so that was a really un unique situation because as we continue to be friends, I was like, man, I really have to sit down with this person and tell them like, hey, I don't believe what you believe. Um, and that was something that I knew I had to do. Um, and then also I'm a tour guide for Memphis. Um, so if you have any to tour, hit me up. <laughs> but <laughs> um, I sat in a class where we did a diversity workshop. Um, the University of Memphis specifically is really big on diversity inclusion and inclusion. Don't let that scare you away, but it's just the reality of it. Um, and I, it was one of those things where it was like sit down, stand up what you believe. Um, and they said, stand up if you believe that um, anyone um, can be married, um, anyone who practices homosexuality can be married. And I had to stay sitting. And there was me and one other girl across from me that stayed sitting while the whole room stood up. And I was like, I feel like an awful person. I feel, and I didn't really have even a moment to explain myself because we just moved right on to the next activity. And all I could think was everyone just saw me sit down and I can't even give, a, give an account for why. Like I have no time because it was a three hour long class that I was in because of it was this tour guide like training class that I had basically that we'd have for a whole semester. And we sat there and I, I mean the other girl and I couldn't even look at each other. Our heads were just down. Um, and people that I knew in the room who were believers stood up. And I thought, okay, that's <laughs> um, not comforting. And so I, I thought I would be the only one. Um, and so the fact that there was one person across from me still sitting, um, like that is really hard. <laughs> and I always wanted to be involved. Some of your students are going to want to do things like that, be in a sorority, be um, involved on campus, be a tour guide, be, you know, um, there's all kinds of different organizations, be on sports teams or um, in student government. Um, and I've faced a lot of having to explain myself and what's so hard is that people don't like to hear you out. So that situation specifically was so hard because I just didn't even have a minute to give an account for why I was sitting down. I couldn't tell people about um, my beliefs. And then the other side of it too is there's there's a lot of girls in my sorority who um, a year ago were wanted to be super, wanted to come to The View, wanted to go to our KD Bible studies that we have. Um, and there's a lot of girls now that just are not like that. That They have... Um, the apathy has shown through, um, and they're okay with being believers and going and partying and getting drunk on Saturday night. They're okay with saying that they're believers and um, going and getting drunk on Saturday nights. Um, exactly. Um, and that's really, really hard. That has made this semester specifically very challenging. Um, and what I have to con constantly remind myself, and this is something that I really wish I would have known, that your community has to be a community of believers and of godliness because not yes your friendships everyone around you can impact you in some type of way um we're constantly as humans literally just com so concerned about what people think about us and that's one of my biggest fears in my sorority is what oh my gosh what does this girl think of me this and this and this and this right my community could not be found in my sorority my mission field is my sorority. My community could not be found in my sorority. My community had to be found in a place like The View, a college ministry. My community has to still be found in good, godly friendships. Because 
I had to sit down with Hannah Harris and Daniel's wife, and she literally was like, maybe you just need to schedule time with godly friends, then go minister to your lost people, then go hang out with godly friends so you can be filled up again. And that's true. Like, it is so hard. And it is really mentally challenging because there's the whole side of it that when I'm in the world, when I'm in my sorority, there are days that I just want everyone to like me. I just want everyone to look at me and think that I am doing it all because I've been involved in a lot, or I just want people to think that um, they should be friends with Delaney Jones because Delaney Jones is the coolest person ever, right? But um, in reality, like, that is not the case, and they, um, they, they just don't respond as well to the gospel. But then they're still, encur- they're still really encouraging conversations. I've seen sorority sisters get saved. I really have, and I've seen a sorority sister this semester um, really come to know the Lord and want and desire to read the Bible, which is so far from everything that she's desired in the past two years that I've known her. So um, it's just been like that was something that I would say the most of is just um, I wish I would have known the specific ways of how hard it would be um, so that I could be better prepared to exert the energy that it takes and to um, and to get through it on those days that on those days that I've had, I mean, I've had sorority sisters say really bad things about me, and then it comes back to me, and I have to wake up the next morning and put it, put it to the side, because it doesn't matter, and I can't let it rule another day, um, so just for what I wish I would have known is the challenges that I would face, and the importance of having a godly community, um, just like Daniel talked about, the importance of having accountability within that, too, so. Um, that mindset of her sorority being a mission field and not her community is a tough mindset to have, but it's a needed mindset because it's been a big shift for Delaney. And so your student understanding the difference between the world being your community and godly believers being community is massive and it can't be, can't be understated. But do you guys have any questions at all that maybe <clears throat> we could help answer about college ministry or things that we've seen with college students? Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. The college students that I've seen really thrive in college and not fall away, because it, it is a large number, and it's, it can be scary, but it's 66% of the life we did a study, 66% fall away or struggle with church when they get to college. So that's something to be aware of, not scared of, but aware of. 
The students I've seen thrive, though, had honesty and open communication with their parents about those things, like she said. That's massive. I mean, that's huge. Being able to have an open dialogue about alcohol through high school so that they're not just blindsided by it when they get to college is big because I think a lot of college students who struggle with it never had those biblical conversations with their parents. But I've seen a lot of college students thrive who did, did have those conversations with their parents and were open and were honest about them. Even when they didn't want to have those conversations, the parents still stepped in and had said, hey, let's talk about this. Let's talk about sex before marriage. Let's talk about things like dating. Uh, before they ever go off to college. I mean, that's one thing I would say, but I know Jay would even give a better answer to that too, possibly. I think that's exactly it. I think it's the idea that you, we don't have to experience or be in sin to know we shouldn't do it. You know, and so there's so many of those things that we don't have to expose them to to know we shouldn't do it. I've, I've never had an illegal drug in my life, and I, know, I don't think I ever will. And I'm fine with that. But here's the thing. I think it's not just talking about why we don't do it, but why do some people choose to do it? And what is the difference? You know, because I think that's the thing sometimes is what we see is when students leave to college, they knew what they weren't supposed to do. They never realized how good the other side appeared to be when everybody else told them the other side. It's like, I know I wasn't supposed to drink because my mom said that, and this is all the horrible things. But, man, y'all are telling me it's fun, and it tastes good, and this happened, that, you know. And they, they weren't able to, like, well, maybe I should experience. So I think it's sometimes it's not only talking about it, but it's also clearly communicating where people stand. Why would somebody say homosexuality is right when the Bible says it's wrong? Well, because, you know, what, and you walk through how somebody sees it from that side. And I think that's the experiencing it, if you will, so that you get to college. You're like, I never thought about it like that. So the more we can expose them to those thoughts, I think the better. Because that is the hard thing with college is there's so many different ways that people think about the same thing. Yeah, um, you know, so I think that's it. fruitful things that we got to do this semester is we had three Sundays with the seniors uh, where each life group hour got to come and hear just from students like this and got to hear from a guy student, a girl student on what college is going to be like. And one of those, the whole day was about discipleship where we talked literally about these things right here to those seniors and, and let them ask questions. Even like y'all are asking questions, we let them ask questions. And it was really cool to see Delaney like even in John too, but have Delaney build relationships with senior girls who we wouldn't have had those relationships with because of some of those senior Sundays where we got to have good conversations about discipleship. So that's one of the goals with Next Gen is we're wanting to keep on getting 
the college students, the ones who are thriving in front of high school students so they can see, like Jay said, how fun it is to live for the Lord in college, that you are not missing out. <laughs> like they think they're going to miss out if they live for Jesus in college. You're not missing out. You're gaining everything. So I would say that's the answer to your question. It's, it's been cool. It's a big difference. It makes a big difference. I tell people all the time, sometimes sometimes when you're not on fire for the Lord, you just need to see somebody who is having a blast living for the Lord. That is fun. You know? goes even higher too because like for John one big influence on him has been Vernon Stafford Mr. Vernon pouring into John's life so it's been cool even just pouring back into our college ministry so now that John when he goes into the draft this summer he's pouring back out for his younger students I think that's a great question, and what I would say to that really comes from my testimony, too, because in the ninth grade, I was very against Christianity, and I was kind of going to church, and my parents were looking for somebody to pour into, and we never found the right guy to pour into my life and to disciple me, because we never found anybody who could connect with me on what I was interested in and what I was passionate about, and that's why I gave up on church so quickly. And I love my parents. I wish they would have worked a little bit harder to find the right person to disciple me because it was kind of like, and I don't want to down my parents at all. They're both fantastic. Jay knows them both. But it was kind of like I got dropped off to the high school ministry. And it was like, all right, let's see if anybody clicks with them. And they didn't. And then I bounced. And I was like, all right, I'm out. I don't want to come back here. But if, if we had worked a little bit harder to find somebody who liked basketball, who liked the Grizzlies, who liked what I was passionate about, who liked hip-hop music even, I would have probably stayed and gotten discipled if I had just seen anybody who, would, who could relate to me on what I was passionate about. So for your student, I would say work hard to really find somebody that can connect with them and what they're passionate about. Because if they can see themselves in someone that's older than them, they will want to be discipled by them. They will want to be like them and start to model the things that they have modeled. So I know that's like an answer of just like work really hard and try to find someone that connects with their passions, but that would have made all the difference for me for sure. And I would say to follow up with that, practically, it starts with your life group leader. So it, it starts with talking to that life group leader. If here's what I'm needing for my students, what our life group leaders want. Hey, this is where we are. This is what we're trying to model. 
um, and then working through that life group and that staff if you want more of that. I'll be honest with you, and I'm saying this as a parent of boys who are in this world. The problem is usually not finding somebody. It's parents sticking with it enough to make it happen. It, it's us. <laughs> because I'll just be honest, it, it's hard to drive my kid here and there. And, you know, I think about, at least I'm thinking about your girls being discipled, what, Tuesday night and Monday night, and you're picking them up and dropping. It's just a lot of work. And after a while, you go, you know what, I'm doing pretty good. I think we'll be all right. I mean, that's where it comes to as a parent. And so what I deal with most of the time is not that we can't. Now, it happens. Goodness gracious, we're not perfect. It happens sometimes that we can't find anybody in college ministry or young adult who has the time to pour into those students. But 99% of the time, the students and parents don't stick with it to help make it happen. Um, They are going to cancel on that college student enough times that that college student says, hey, they, they just didn't show up. Um, you know, they're not going to do their reading, and that young adult goes, hey, it's just not worth my time to show up because we as parents probably don't follow up and ask the questions. We don't do those things. And I'm not putting that on any one of you. I'm putting that on us to say, all right, am I doing what I can do to not only find that person but position to say this is a priority? Um, And you may find it's not. You know, I'm in a different spot. You know, for me, I'm working through that. I'm a pastor. How much exposure do I need my boys have for other people? And I'm like, probably more than what I'm given. You know, but we've got to figure that out for our schedule and those kind of things. But most of the time it comes to us as parents going, all right, yeah, I just hadn't called Steve in six weeks, even though I said I was going to, to see if there's anybody out there, you know. So, because, you know, and that's the thing with Daniel. We work through it. There's not a, we at our church do not have a great discipleship plan that says if you check this box, you'll immediately have this assigned hour where a college student will come and John's going to pour into your student and life change is going to immediately begin to happen day three. We just don't have it. It's organic and it's messy, but we got a lot of college students who are being discipled and who are discipling others and we're seeing it and it happens. It's just, it takes some effort. So did you have a question? And I would add to that, even if it's not somebody that's discipling your student, who are people you're seeing in your life that you want to influence your children and invite them to your home? I'll be honest, that's one thing for my wife and I. We have struggled with for 10 years at Bellevue. I don't know if it's Bellevue Mega Church. I don't know if it's Memphis Big City. But the church we came from, we were there for 10 years. It was small town. We were in everybody's homes. I mean, that's how I did ministry and cut my teeth. I was in everybody's home almost all the time. And that's different here. And is that a season we're in? Is it? I don't know. But we can do it, you know. And so, yeah, I mean, initiate that conversation and say, hey, this is somebody that I've seen. Man, come over. We I'll, I'll say this. Corey O'Hara is the best ever, and I tell him this all the time. But Corey will walk up. To, if you know Corey, he's probably done that. Raise your hand if you've done that. Has Corey walked up and invited himself to your house to eat dinner? Okay, one, two, three, four. Yes, that's what Corey does. Hey, can I come to your house and just see how? Now, he, he usually 
Yeah, spins it. Yeah, yeah, it goes, can I come spin your pool? Yeah. Um, he usually spins it to something like, I want to see how you interact with your students. He just wants a free meal. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But he does, but I think we can do the same thing. Hey, just come hang out at our house. We just love for you to come hang out. And then, you know, now your student, you've, you've got conversation piece, right, when they leave, you know. So, anyway, that's. I was going to say, too, was this is just from someone who didn't grow up in Bellevue either. A lot of our college students did not grow up here or go to, you know, college ministry here, and maybe their families don't go here. Um, and so if, you know, if there's leaders in your life, people in your life, that are discipling your kids or your life group leaders or anything like that. It has always meant a lot to me when parents have like invited me over to their home. Um, it's a, just always meant a lot to me because I didn't grow up here and getting connected here was something that was really important to me because at my old church, I knew literally everybody. And so I came into Bellevue and I was like, wow, people don't know any of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's a lot here too. So um, just really think about that. Um, because that is something that has always just meant a lot to me and has encouraged me to continue pouring back in um, through all of that. Like, because if, if parents or, um, you know, people even like Daniel and Hannah show any type of interest in, um, in pouring into my life, then I'm, I'm going to pour right back in. So, I'll ask a question while you are thinking. Daniel, talk more. A lot of the people in this room are at a stage where we are looking towards we're, we're going to college. Maybe we're not on the back end or students in college. We do have some of that. But as you're thinking about Christian college versus public school, you know, I'm a big Christian college worldview. You know, Union was where I graduated from. I see the, the, the benefit of that. I see public school. Talk through some of those things as you're, you've got a student who's coming up 10th, 11th grade, and you're wanting them to have that Christian education at the same time you want them to be a missionary. What does that kind of look like? What have you seen there for people who, as they're walking through that decision process? I've seen what's been really encouraging is parents who will make sure to schedule time to pray with their student about that decision. I think that's huge. And that teaches the student to make the decision prayerfully and not based on preference. And so with students who maybe go to Union, and it's fantastic, their parent prayed with them through that, and they understand why they're making that decision based on the Lord and his call instead of just a preference or it's a cool school. And the same thing with University of Memphis. They, I've seen a lot of college students sit down, you know, high school students, sit down with their parents and pray junior year, Lord, do you want me to go to University of Memphis? And as they start praying over it, their parent, their mom or dad is able to teach them, hey, if you go to University of Memphis, here's why you're going there. You're going to get a degree, and that's going to be great, and it's going to set you up with a job, but you're going there to be a missionary, and it's a mission field. And you pray through that. So before they ever step foot on campus, even some of our freshmen this past year were like that. Before they ever stepped foot on campus, they had two years worth of praying over, oh, I'm here to be a missionary. And that also helps them stay away from peer pressure when they're at a public university. Having an evangelistic heart will keep you away from a lot of sin because you don't want the people you're trying to win over to stumble. And that will keep you from a lot of temptation. And so I don't know if that answers your question or not, but when you sit down and pray with your student over that decision, it makes a world of difference over why they're choosing to go to the school that they're going to go to. Um, I've seen it work well, and I've seen struggles on both sides. I've seen struggles with Christian schools of not really having that opportunity to be a missionary and to share the gospel as often. And I've seen the struggle of being at a public university where you're always surrounded by non-godly people, and it, it's, it wears on you. And so, and of course, the other thing with going to a public university is a college ministry makes all the difference, too. If they go to a public university and they're involved in a college ministry, they're going to be so much stronger in being able to be a witness. 
position you work with, being around those who are really godly and really on fire for it is going to help you too. So. Yes, I thought about that too, and I was like, ah, oh, time. Number three. Did you skip one? I did. I was looking at the time. Well, obviously, number one was passion for Christ and ministry, and then number two was discipleship. But number three is actually what I just said <laughs> an evangelistic heart. I was going to work it in there one way or another. I just didn't give the number. But an evangelistic heart, and I mean seriously, the college students that thrive desire for others to come to know Christ in college. That is the reason they're there. And so when you hear, like, Delaney's testimony, Delaney really has been able to be protected from a lot of temptation in college. A big reason for that is, yes, she loves the Lord. Yes, she wants to stay clean and close to him for her own personal holiness. But at the same time, she is not going to certain parties with her sorority sisters because she's trying to win them over to Christ. Like, she genuinely wants to see them get saved. And she knows if she puts herself in that environment where they are, it can hurt her witness. So an evangelistic heart makes a big, big difference. And the same with John. He's now changed his you know, whole life and community based on trying to win souls before he graduates from U of M. And then number four is what I mentioned, apologetically minded. So an evangelistic heart and then being apologetically minded. The best resource that I recommend on apologetics when you're starting out is the book, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. And I'm sure that you're familiar with that. Maybe not. That's okay. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. I read through that book with a few freshman guys um, in 2018, and when they went to campus, it made all the difference in terms of them sharing their faith, reading through that book, walking through it week by week. I'm telling you, you could really walk with your student through that book uh, week by week and see them grow in their apologetics. But those four things are characteristics that I've seen pound for pound college students are thriving. They have a passion for Christ and for ministry. They have been discipled and they desire to make disciples. They have an evangelistic heart, and they're willing to defend the gospel and defend their faith. So that, that is number three right there. I was going to work it in there one way or another, but I was also looking at time, and people give me a hard time about my time, so I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do about this. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> I really do love Daniel Harris. Daniel has really grown a lot as he's come on our staff, and we're thankful to have him. Hey, I'm just going to add a couple of things, and yeah, you're, I'm really kind of starting to like you. No, um, I was trying to be sweet. I'm not normally sweet to my guys. Um, hey, let me just encourage you. Um, the, the things Daniel are saying are, are a big deal, and they're true. I've worked in student ministry 20 years, and, and our students fall away when they leave. Um, and it's hard, and it's tough. And as parents, um, that, is, that is what I've been praying for for 16 years for my boys because I've seen it. And you, you, as a parent, I've seen parents' hearts break when they've done everything they could and their students walk away from their faith for a season or for whatever. And I think that's the big thing I would encourage you on is do everything you can now, and then when you get to that point, do everything you can then. But continue to trust the Lord. Continue to have faith. Um, if they walk away from their faith, it doesn't mean they're done. Um, you know, you don't shut those doors. At the same time, you have boundaries, and we try to protect them, and all those different things that you have. Um, but I think it's been really neat. We have really been praying here, and we're starting to see students pray about where is the Lord at work when I'm going to college. And we're seeing students stay to go here to Memphis. We're seeing students go to UT Knoxville to be a part of different organizations we see there that where the Lord is moving. And so I would encourage you in that um, as you're seeing your students get towards that age and as you start thinking about it. I think it's a great word tonight. So uh, we're all going to be around. Yes, ma'am, what you got? 
Um, we do in fourth and fifth grade. We have not seen a good spot in middle school and high school on like EE stuff. Um, Corey is really clear with training the three circles. That's kind of the way he shares the gospel. And so he has, does that actually, I think once or twice a semester, he'll kind of have a session where he talks about the three circles and how you can share the faith, how you can share your faith with somebody at school. Um, and then in high school, there's a lot of different options we have where it would be apologetics or Steve talking about that and those kind of things. So I wouldn't say it's like a class, but it's definitely thing. All of all of our guys are very clear in communicating that. Um, yeah, same thing in college. So. We're going to be around. You want to ask questions of any of us, um, we'll be here. Hey, this is the last week. Thank you all for being a part of this. They are going to pick up over the summer. Um, I know a lot of our next-gen stuff, our students are in different things on the Wednesday nights. They are going to have a class for parenting, I think, walking through maybe Book of Colossians. So if that's something that interests you and you're looking for something on Wednesday nights, uh, pay attention to our Equip emails or check out online for all that. So let me pray for us, and then uh, if you've got any questions, we'll be around. God, thank you so much for Daniel. Thank you for John. Thank you for Delaney. Thank you for them sharing. God, as we've prayed from day one to today, God, we give our students to you. And God, we pray that in all of our efforts that, God, you would work in a mighty way. And in God, of all of our mistakes, that you would work in a mighty way. And that your grace would cover our students. And that, God, they truly would be mighty men and women for you. God, while they're in high school, middle school, but God, also while they're in college. And that, God, you would protect them and you would be, God, where they needed a hedge of thorns to keep them where they need to be. And God, we pray that we as parents will love them through that. And that, God, we will see them be all that you want them to be. God, thank you for this church. Thank you for the opportunity you give us to be challenged as parents. We ask this in your son's name. Amen. All right. Thank you.